Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hey, Caitlin. Yes, Jamie? Fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy podcast. <gasps> Funny. <laughs> Now that's the level of writing that gets you nominated for an Oscar. Wow. I wasn't expecting that, Jamie. Thank you didn't you. see the twist coming, did you? You thought I was going to say ride. I know I didn't. Night. No, night. You thought I was going to say night. Oh, it is a bumpy night. Because she's she's just saying, like, I'm going to get so fucked up and ruin everyone's night. And she's right. <laughs> I've never heard someone promise that in advance in quite the same. Like, it's, it's oh, it's gorgeous. Oh, iconic. She's an icon. <sighs> So, uh, welcome to the Bechdel cast. <laughs> this is our movie podcast where we analyze the representation of women in movies using mm -hmm. the Bechdel test as a jumping off point. And that, of course, is a media metric created by cartoonist Alison Bechdel, sometimes called the Bechdel-Wallace test. And it requires that two female-identifying characters who have names, mm -hmm. they have to uh, speak to each other, and that conversation has to be about something other than a man. For instance, ruining each other's lives is yes. a topic that passes handily. I'm so excited to be covering this movie today. We do not very frequently cover movies of this era, but it is a pretty common request as far as older movies go. It's one of my faves. I'm, we're covering all about Eve today. We are, and we have a special guest. We're Again, we're still in the quarantine, but we're all videoing in from different locations i don't remember life before this anymore who who does <laughs> um but we're very excited for our guest today she is an amazing comedian and director it's sarah june hello Hi. wow thank you so much for having me oh it's our pleasure it is tough to be on zoom but thank you so much for continuing to do this podcast oh you know what else are we gonna do right now <laughs> 
what is your history and relationship with the movie All About Eve? I probably first watched All About Eve when I was in high school and I was in this phase where I found out you could get DVDs from the library mm-hmm. um, and my library had a great, great DVD selection. So I watched a lot of movies that were really good that I did not understand Hell yeah! because I was a child. And then I watched some movies that were really good that I did understand even though I was a child one of those movies was all about Eve, baby. Nice. This is like a good movie to first see when you're a teenager. I feel like it hit like and it probably I would guess like hits different at, at different stages of life too. Totally. It also informed like everything I thought I knew about the theater. I was like the theater is crazy, sexy, dangerous, British. Right. And they hate television. Yes. I like I, I, I think that like I mean you're always supposed to think that Eve is like pure evil but I th- my first like viewing of this I do remember being like Eve Eve's got a good head on her shoulders she's <laughs> I mean it's like I lo- I always love Margot to death forever but I didn't have as much um, empathy for her the first time as, as I do 10 years on I'm now closer to Margot's age than eve's age so i'm like eve that slimy little rat i'm margo is single white femaleing her there it's uh it's yeah yeah this movie came out both before single white female and before mean girls so if you need Mm -hmm. modern references those are them but and the favorite i think the favorite is like i have i have some one of the writers of, of the favorite was like, yeah, this is like a lot. There's a lot of all about Eve mm-hmm. in this. I remember I read that interview where they were like, it's like if all about Eve was. Um, and then there was it was also based on like a sorry, I'm getting off topic, but it was also based on an actual historical event, which was yeah. the queen making this random maid attendant of hers, her the purser just like out of nowhere. Pretty mm-hmm. cool. Pretty cool <laughs> stuff. <laughs> you love to hear it. Love to hear it. All right. So, uh, yeah, that's my history with All About Eve. Nice. Jamie, what's your history? I love this movie a lot. I think I saw it. I think I pro- this probably is a movie I saw, like, my freshman year in college. This seems like around the, the correct time to, to have seen this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a guess. But I've seen this movie many times now. It's weird. I haven't, like, thought about it from a I mean it's weird it's like you can't not think about this movie from a feminist standpoint which is kind of great because it's like mostly women interacting with each other so you can't not but this was my first time watching it with like a Bechtel whatever helmet mm-hmm. is it a helmet that we wear um it's, <laughs> w- with that I mean in the cr- in the quarantine yes but yeah this, this, it's one of it's one of my favorite um I think probably one of my favorite movies ever but one of, definitely one of my favorite older movies uh I love I was like uh when I was a kid I was like a TCM head and Judy Garland and Betty Davis were like my gals. I love Betty Davis and her performance in this is fucking incre- I mean everyone's performance in this is great. I love this movie. Mm-hmm. It's so weird cuz you're like okay the fact that you know someone is so powerful that they can just be cruel and awful to everyone is not a good thing but I do like it when it's Betty Davis doing it (laughs) when Betty Davis is cruel and terrible to everyone she's ever met I love it I think it's cool (laughs) Caitlin what's your history with this movie I too saw it probably around freshman year when I was in you know I was a a starry-eyed film student much like Eve Harrington you know trying to just consume as much cinema as I could and what that meant for me was I would watch like three DVDs that I borrowed from the library a day and 
absorb none you're of literally them. E- oh, okay. Okay, you're not Eve then. I was like, no. you're literally... <laughs> Updated Eve, like... 2000s era Eve would be watching DVDs. She would be like, mm-hmm. I'm going to figure this out. Right, right, right. <laughs> so this is one of those movies that I had on in the background and didn't apparently retain anything about it, which is a shame because it's a really good movie and there's lots to talk about. I am very excited to talk about it. The dialogue in this movie is so smart and sharp and tight and clever and so well written it's incredible Mankowitz yeah he got it's it's I mean there's there's we'll we'll talk about the shortcomings of the story at large but like the fucking script is it's so good it's Mm -hmm. like every character is so distinct even like smaller characters that normally I feel like movies of any era would just kind of make a throwaway like even Marilyn Monroe's character has like a small arc and she says funny stuff and like it's Mm -hmm. just so good I love it yeah let's dive into the recap uh the movie starts with a young woman named Eve Harrington that's Ann Baxter Mm -hmm. she is a big fan of the theater and an even bigger fan of an actress named Margot Channing and that is our queen Betty Davis, who is, you know, a a star of the stage. Mm -hmm. And one night, Karen Richards, that's a friend of Margot's, they are friends because her husband, her husband, uh, Lloyd Richards, is the playwright of the production that Margot is currently starring in. Mm. But this woman, Karen, sees Eve outside of the theater and had noticed her there like waiting night after night so she decides to invite her in and introduce her to Margot. right which is like okay this is the first act of kindness from a woman to a woman in the movie and she'll live to regret it (laughs) i love that that's like she's like oh let me do something nice and then the movie is like biggest mistake you ruin everyone's (laughs) lives Yeah, let this be a lesson that women shouldn't be nice to each other. Right. Never mix with the commoners. (laughs) Right. Right. That too. It's a classist thing. No women in trench coats shall enter. (laughs) So they invite her in. They're all chatting. And Eve tells them her story about how she came to love the theater, about how she had this husband who died in the war, and how she started following Margot's career. And Margot is very smitten by all of this and by Eve, and she has Eve move into her house and start working for her as an assistant, more or less. I will say a second assistant. She already has an assistant. Right. <laughs> Birdie rule. Oh my god, Birdie is like the feminist icon of feminist the icon. Birdie Coonan, right? Well, because it isn't like Birdie, like the main. She's her main gal, and then Eve is yeah, like she's doing. It doesn't even like Eve is doing more than she's asked. She's Eve is acting the way we're told as eighteen year old interns that you should ask. Like right, you, they're like invent tasks for yourself, make yourself seem useful, even if you're not doing shit. And that's kind of what she's doing. A million percent, yes. And this is kind of the start of her beginning to cross some boundaries in her relationship 
with Margot. And then after that, we see Eve maybe kind of flirting with Margot's boyfriend, Bill Sampson. Mm-mm-mm. Who Betty Davis was having an affair with on set and would marry and was married to for 10 years. Yep, yep, yep. Excuse me? Whoop, whoop, whoop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got, they, they like dumped their spouses at the time for each other. And he was her last husband. What? Yeah. I know. They have great chemistry too. It's like that that relationship is I mean, fucked up stuff happens it. But but it's a I mean, they got they got chemistry. You know what? They do. He daddies her from the very first scene. He does, yeah. He doms her so hard and so immediately. She's like, What do you do? And he's like, Let me tell you about the theater, kid. Like and she just cowers. And that's after he has come into the room and called Margot like a trash heap or something like that yeah he's like you look like shit I have a flight in 45 minutes it's like peak 1950s writing it's like peak black and white movie where they're like what are you doing woman you look like garbage and she's like oh garbage poo poo and then and then she just does what he says but but yeah and then he like ignores Eve a couple different times I mean these are like as close you can as you can get to being like Oh, that sucks for but like I don't know. Eve is smart. And- Honestly, I when I saw that scene this time, I had never thought about this dynamic before. But the fact that he comes in immediately talks to Margot and only Margot, even though he's like, "You look like shit. I have a flight. Let's go," and like sees the other girl, barely says hi to her, and then fully only pays attention to Margot. I think is a smart guy who's in a relationship with a narcissist. <laughs> that's a guy who's like if i say hi to this other woman in the room she will have my head yeah i mean there i i wonder i wonder yeah like their relationship is just like bizarre all around but there's like watching that scene with eve this i haven't seen this movie in maybe two years or so but watching that scene it's like i feel like everyone has been eve in that situation too where just like someone more powerful than you walks into a room and it's like who is this okay great anyways the other most powerful person in the room i'm gonna be mean right. to you and then leave mm-hmm. and you're like oh yeah I've, yeah I've and seen like this. i'm talking to you but also kind of performing for everybody yeah yeah, yeah. Well, and then Margot's doing that too, to the point where Birdie has to be like, "This is making me physically ill. I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> I have to go into the bathroom." It. That's what I love. Is they're all doing this like, "You there? No, you there?" And then she's just like, "Oh, brother." <laughs> she's doing like, yeah, she's doing like a, a like old timey Brooklyn like character actor bit in the middle of this transatlantic accent scene, and you're just like, "Yeah, well, yeah, sure." This is what yeah, the world they're like sparkling like. wit, sparkling wit. I'm like, this sparkling wit's amazing. And then Birdie is like, what a load of bull crap. And I'm like, she's right. <laughs> oh, she's That's the great. best. Birdie she is amazing. She is. And she, uh, I wish that she wasn't like written out after whatever, the beginning of act two, but what can you do? Mm-hmm. When I was researching the production of this movie, they said that they had to cut like 50 pages from the script. So hopefully wow. there was some Birdie that hit the cutting room floor and originally she was supposed to. Um, she was going to be instead of that girl what was it like Phoebe at the end it's Birdie and she comes <laughs> what a twist Eve's crown yeah <laughs> um, so it's, it's at this point in the story when Margot starts to get increasingly more and more annoyed with Eve because of all the boundaries she is crossing methodically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. she's a master manipulator, but we don't know that yet quite as as an audience. We're only starting no. to see hints of it. We start on the side of like everyone's calling Margot paranoid and we're like mm-hmm. Margot is paranoid. Right. 
Ugh, but the tide will turn. Um, so one night, right before a homecoming slash birthday party um, that is being thrown for Bill, Margot and Bill have this big fight about Eve because Margot is insecure about her age and she's worried that um, Eve, who is considerably younger than Margot, will replace Margot. And then cut to the party we get that the famous line, the fasten your seatbelts, it's going to be a bumpy night. Oh. And we're like, Ooh. woo. I, we're like, and then it is. Love it. Uh, yeah, she <laughs> delivers on the promise. Oh, yes. She gets wasted. <laughs> uh, my girl gets shit-faced. She gets shit-faced. And then she still gives the most articulate, pithy put-downs of the entire... You're like, oh, what everyone wishes they sounded like when they're blackout yes. drunk is how she sounds. <laughs> That's how everyone like feels like they are talking when they're right. being a mean drunk, but they're actually like That's throwing so up. Rude. Do not say this to me. I am as witty as Penny Davis. <laughs> I'm like, I think I sound like this after 500 white claws. And I'm just yeah, like, hey, just everybody. Like really, really cool, but also like, I don't care. But also leave me alone. I have to ask the DJ to play the same song five times in a row. I love that. Like, <laughs> and, and the way that, the, and this is also like the costume designs in this movie are Edith Head. So they're fucking amazing. And oh my God. the way that they, like the old Hollywood way to indicate that a woman is drunk is just like slide her sleeve off her shoulder <laughs> and tussle her hair. And you're like, oh, she's yeah. wasted. <laughs> you know, it's like, and like it's holding, so a, holding a very full martini glass perfectly and never spilling it while being like, <laughs> like darling and like you know slurring your retorts she's a star she's a star <laughs> right and then eve weasels her way into being margot's understudy unbeknownst to margot and then there's this audition that happens with marilyn monroe's character a young actress named miss caswell Eve shows up instead and reads opposite her in this audition. It turns out that Eve is an amazing actor who blows everybody away, including this theater critic named Addison DeWitt. Uh, which is another perfect old-timey theater critic name. Right? <laughs> Never has there actually been a person with a name like this. It's great. <laughs> yeah, his name's, you get it? You get what he does? You get what he's like? His name's DeWitt do you guys get it? Do you guys Swish. get it? He's the wit. Mankiewicz is like Mankiewicz is like a Sorkin style jerking himself off, and he's like, ah, oh, there it is. <laughs> DeWitt. So Eve being awesome at acting makes Margot very jealous, and she shows up at the theater after this audition, and she has this outburst. You know, Lloyd is like, you're a horrible actress. And then Bill Lloyd is like, literally compares. He like objectifies her to the point where he's like, you're a piano. Look, right, OK, exactly. wait, I, I will say this. He doesn't say you're a horrible actress. He says something almost worse, which is yeah. you're too old to play the part that I wrote mm -hmm. and that you've been playing for like at this point, weeks, months now, you know, just to say, like, it's not that you're bad. You're just not young enough. I think I hate Lloyd the most out of everyone in this movie because Lloyd is just he's so infuriating to me. I feel like he kind of gets off like like he's made to he's look so egotistical. Yeah. Like I feel like this. OK, so the, like men in this movie are like bad, but it's more 
it's written more that they're clueless rather than they are making the rules. But like Lloyd could write a part for Margot that's her age. He just won't do it. He's acting like right. my hands are tied. I can only write about 20 year olds. And you're like, you <laughs> have the power to not do that. I, oh, I hate Lloyd so much. Yeah. yeah also, like if you know, if you are lucky enough to know what kind of an actor you're going to be working with, then you should write a part for that actor, you know? Right. Why would you not? Ugh. Whatever. I hate Lloyd. Karen. <laughs> Karen yeah. defense force. Karen can do better. For sure. Yeah. So he sucks. And then Bill is talking to Margot and he's like, you know, you're being paranoid. I love you. But this is the last straw. I got to say goodbye. And then he leaves her. Which I think is healthy. I, I do think he's kind of like acting. I, I I like Bill some of the time, a lot of the time. He does gaslight her quite a bit, or at least he he does calls her paranoid without um, ever really truly listening to her and her feelings. So I think that Bill is like cut too much slack, but but I do agree, Sarah, that him getting out of the relationship when it becomes that volatile, I don't really fault him for it, and neither does Margot. Mm-hmm. yeah it's like it's like oh yeah that's a good boundary to have you know <laughs> like they're not married you know and he's like i i agree that he's like he calls her paranoid which is like not okay but at that point like when somebody is like lying to you as much as margo does and refusing to listen to you as much as you're refusing to listen to them it's like all right i'm out i don't know it's yeah there's a we'll, we'll talk about bill because i have like mixed feelings towards him and i feel like maybe i cut him too much slack because I really liked the actor and the fact that he and Betty yeah. Davis got married. <laughs> oh, well, we'll get there. <laughs> also, he like violently throws Margot down on a bed, which is obviously not okay, but like pretty typical for an old Hollywood film to see a man being violent toward women. Like we also see Addison slap Eve in the face, you know, which is very yikes. Right. But anyway um so we're at the point where you know margot's boyfriend has left her friends are upset with her and then a short time later when margot is returning home from a weekend getaway with karen and lloyd some car trouble causes her to miss her show that night and it's implied that karen drained the gas out of the tank of the car on purpose so that margot would miss the show right to help Eve. So with Margot being gone, Eve, her understudy, steps in, performs the part, and dazzles the crowd. And wouldn't you know it, a bunch of theater critics just happen to be at the show that night. And they're also all very impressed with Eve. Including Addison DeWitt. Yes. So now that Eve is making her way into the spotlight, she tries to seduce Bill Sampson, but he's like, wait a minute, I'm still in love with Margot. And then he goes back to Margot. Karen has also forgiven Margot and feels super guilty about what she did to make her miss the performance. And then Addison DeWitt has written this review about how awesome Eve was in the play, how awful Margot is. And in this review, Eve talks about how pathetic it is for older actresses to play parts for younger women and how, you know, older women are bitter and they don't want to support younger actresses. 
then everyone's like, oh, I guess maybe Margot wasn't being paranoid. Right. <laughs> right. Except Lloyd is still being a piece of shit because he's he defends Eve. I hate Lloyd. Lloyd's just horny. I hate him. Lloyd is horny, and I also hate him. <laughs> so Lloyd is defending Eve, and he's like, oh, well, Eve claims that Addison put those words in her mouth. And then he's like, and what if Eve is in my new play performing the lead role of Cora? And then his wife, his wife, Karen, is like, listen, Eve is a rat scumbag and you will not cast her in your play. Yeah. Then that night when Margot, Bill, Karen and Lloyd are out drinking some wine at a like rich people establishment. Eve is also there. <laughs> a club. The club, in fact. <laughs> the club. Was it? What is it? Betty Davis is like, where the elite come to meet. You're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Great. <laughs> sure, whatever, bitch. You are drunk again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eve is also there, and she sends over a note asking Karen to meet her in the ladies' room. And she does. Very Titanic. Uh, right. Make it count. Meet me by the clock. And then they actually yeah. go and have a really cool party below deck. No. Um, <laughs> what happens instead is that Eve and Karen chat and Eve starts out by apologizing, but then her tone shifts and then she starts blackmailing Karen because... Oh. Ann Baxter is so good in that scene. She's oh, yeah. She, when she puts her cards on the table, every time it's just like, oh, so good. Because she knows that... Karen had something to do with Margot missing the show that night. And it turns out all Eve wants from Karen is for her to tell her husband, her husband, Lloyd, to cast Eve in his new play. And that apparently happens because we cut to Lloyd and Eve rehearsing for the play. Bill is directing it. Passionately. Right. (laughs) And then it seems like... Eve is trying to get close to Lloyd and she's like, hey, Addison, did you know that Lloyd is going to leave Karen and that he and I are going to get married? And Addison's like, oh, actually, no, that's not going to happen. You're not going to marry him because you belong to me. I know about your real past. Ugh, another, it's so overdramatic. It shouldn't work. (laughs) And yet it does. Right. (laughs) Like it's, it's so much. So then he he blackmails her because it turns out she's been lying about a bunch of stuff. And then we cut to her accepting this award for her acting. But, like, everyone hates her. Margot is there. Karen is there. They're like, this fucking asshole. Mm -hmm. And everyone else in the room is a very old man who is clapping heartily. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They're just like, yeah, it's so good. And then... Eve wins the award, and, and, and Margot's mean to her one last time. Oh, and Eve gives a speech where she thanks Karen and Lloyd and Margot. And then they're oh, just they're like so stony-faced. <laughs> I love it. And then Eve goes home, and a young woman who is obsessed with her, much like Eve was obsessed with Margot at the beginning of the movie, this young woman is in her house has like snuck in, broke into her house. And then she's like, oh my gosh, Eve Harrington, I love you so much. You're so awesome. And we're like, oh no, the cycle is going to repeat itself. Oh, I have Ah." so many thoughts on the ending. Oh, I have so many thoughts on the ending. (laughs) So that's the story. Let's take a quick break and then we will come right back to discuss. 
Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ibera Star Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Can we start by talking about the ending? Is that too is that too much? Let's do it. Okay, so this was the first time I had really given some critical thought to the ending of the movie cuz I feel like screenplay-wise it's great cuz he brings you all the way back to one and the quote-unquote villain of the movie is getting her come up and it like I never really questioned it before. Mm-hmm. But my main criticism of this movie that I still am going to love forever and ever. But I think my main criticism of it is that like that ending heavily implies that like the problem the whole time is Eve and it's, it's ambitious women. Uh, Ambitious women are the problem and ambitious and women are like naturally inclined to be catty towards one another and to be vicious towards one another. And it's not like there, this movie does not really interrogate the system that they are put in and the positions they're put in. And the fact that they are told they can't be useful after a certain age. And the fact that there's only so many stars that can exist that are women. So 
one does have to displace another just because of the way it's been set up. And so at the end, by having that other woman come for Eve and you're like, oh, Eve's going to get what's coming to her. It's like, but, you know, for for all the men of the story, I mean, I think this is probably this is realistic for its time. But for all the Mm -hmm. men of the story, things stay status quo. Right. um, And will for forever. (laughs) Yeah. There's never the implication that like Lloyd or Bill are rivals Right, right. No, they don't have they're to be. friends. They're like BFFs. Yeah, they're like great collaborators and close friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the difference is one is a writer and one is a director. But seriously, it's it's still not. I mean, and this is one really great thing about the movie. We don't hear almost anything about those guys and their careers yeah. outside of this. Right. Yeah, which is good because it's like who care? Like they're yeah. <laughs> they're not the interesting. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, like we know Bill goes to direct a movie, but we don't know if the movie's good or anything. Yeah, we don't know anything about we, that we never movie. Get to hear. Uh-uh. Yeah, we don't even know what it's about. It doesn't matter because Margot's not in it, so it yeah. doesn't fucking matter because she's uh-huh. the center of the universe. It's very clear. I mean, and it's like I don't even really want to knock the writing too much for creating this reality because it was very reflective of the time and still now. It's like it doesn't really matter how good the stuff they do is. We don't actually know if Floyd is a good writer, but like the world is always going to make enough space for them. So it doesn't even like they don't even have to be good. The only male character I want to know more about is Addison. I would watch a fucking franchise about Addison DeWitt. Oh. <laughs> Just like Frasier. Uh, yes, like, he really is. What if he was <laughs> Frasier's dad? No, he's not Frasier's dad. That's Martin. I would buy him as one of Frasier's cousins. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, was about, I can't believe I just insulted Martin Crane like that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, but yeah, come on. But yeah, this was the first time I ever thought of the ending as like, I mean, it is like it's it just kind of it's the thesis statement of the movie of like this thing that's happening with these women is cyclical. Which might be true, but it doesn't examine really why that is. I mean, I, I want to describe the the literal final shot, which is the young woman, Phoebe, the young woman who we are meant to interpret is going to replace Eve, wearing Eve's cape and holding her award and looking at herself in the mirror and like pretending that she's accepting the award and that it's her cape and her yeah. crown. And um, Eve has this three-way mirror so that you see all these endless rows of Phoebes oh, it's, it's- accepting the award and bowing. It's a beautiful shot. And you might as well just write in text on the screen, such is woman. Because <laughs> it's like, look at this endless, literally endless infinite cycle of not only identical but disposable yeah Mm -hmm. am i reading too much into this no no no. i I think think that 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 is what the intention is probably Ugh, it's i love this movie okay that's what i had (laughs) to say that's what i had to say about the ending i just had never thought of it uh from yeah from that angle before yeah it's it's pretty funny because like she that girl phoebe is like hey i'm president of the eve harrington fan club and Eve's like, yeah, okay. She's at no point is she like, how did you get in here? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but it's it is cool that I mean Eve gets so defensive right away when that was her. Li- I mean a year ago. How much yeah. time passes in this movie? It's unclear. It's less. It's less. Than I a year. think some of the voiceover. The voiceover's like, wow, it was just last April or last October. Like it, it's it implies that it's only been like. I think like less months, than a maybe year. Maybe 10 months. Yeah, yeah, it's been like kind of a short amount of time. I mean, you got to hand it to Eve. <laughs> um, part of me wanted to interpret the ending as kind of like a cautionary tale of like, this is what happens if you're a woman who exploits and tramples on other women. But you're right, Jamie. Like, it's not fair that ambitious women are shown as being like the villains because, and oh, there's so much to talk about. But there's this 
theme that only pops up every so often in the movie. But with Margot, you have this powerful woman who has a, a solid career. She is very successful. But every once in a while, she'll be like, well, here's the thing, though. A woman is not complete without a man. Yeah. Yeah. There's a conversation toward the end when she and Bill have gotten engaged and she's like, I'm going to be a married woman. And Lloyd's like, well, what does that have to do with anything? And Margot says, you know, it, it means I've, I'll finally have a life to live. I don't have to play parts I'm too old for just because I've got nothing to do with my nights. And it's like, right. oh my gosh, that's so bleak. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's like, is that is that what you were doing? Right. It's so, and it's like, there. my understanding is that that attitude was kind of reflective of Betty Davis's feelings. She never had a desire to like leave performing, but it like she also historically in her life had like, would try to fill areas of her life through marriages and stuff like that and like there I don't know I, I read a whole thing that was just like drawing comparisons from Betty Davis's life to Margot there's a lot of one-to-one things hmm. that part like that gave me a little bit of pause too I don't know how to feel about it because I do think that it ends up being a, maybe a little bit too far of like it's like a deeply heteronormative like yeah a woman is not a woman without a, I mean you know we're like we're basically we're quoting the script here where she goes you're not a woman if you don't have a husband essentially right Mm -hmm. um she says that you you can be a lot of things but you're not a woman so like in one sense she doesn't discount her accomplishments but she doesn't see them as being compatible with her sex yeah and also and we you know we assume her gender you know she's 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 like um, until you perform the heteronormativity of being a woman in a relationship with a man you're not a woman Mm -hmm. you're just like essentially a a a laborer but like one without sex you know she's she's masculinized yeah but also desexualized heavy yeah no i totally Mm, very heavy and and the the way that i mean and and it's also like she decides to she's she's like full-on oprah and stedman she's like i don't want to marry you like i love you i don't want to marry you (laughs) which is a kind of like radical idea up until like pretty recently um and he couldn't handle it and he ends up getting his way with that and that's never really interrogated that much and it's implied that her making that change of heart improves her life a lot is her kind of you know conceding to his wishes there is a little part of me where I feel like and I don't I don't want to like give Mankiewicz more credit for thinking than he's actually doing but he's a really good writer I don't know but I've kind of viewed part of that of like Margot only has so many options in her time even though she's the most powerful as powerful as a woman could be in this time she only has so many alternatives to being an actress and it it doesn't even seem like she doesn't want to be an actress she just doesn't want to put put up with all the bullshit that she's going to be subjected to as she gets older Mm -hmm. and so I there's a way I can see it I still don't like the way that they go with it but there's a way I can see it where she's like okay well what's my alternative this okay then I'll throw myself into this 100% and hopefully it will end better for me which is bleak it's a really shitty choice that she has to make, yeah. but you understand why she makes the one she makes. Right. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, there's, unfortunately, there, in 1950, there's no way that her acting career was going to get easier. As she gets older, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, Eve or no Eve. And that was true for Betty Davis. Like, mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean, right. Because so this movie is largely about a woman who is very insecure about aging 
who worries that she will be replaced by a younger woman, both in her romantic life and her professional life. Then her fears are actualized when a younger woman shows up, exploits those insecurities, and then like weasels her way in and tries to replace her. And then, you know, the various consequences of that. So it's another movie that focuses on an antagonistic relationship between two women who are in competition with each other. I do think that this, especially for the time this came out in, I think the movie does a fairly decent job of exploring like why women be in competition with each other because of the through line of like Margot's insecurity about aging. But I also agree, Jamie, you know, you suggested that the movie doesn't really go so far as to say, well, why would a woman be insecure about aging? Well, because like men run society and men don't deem women getting older as something that's socially acceptable. She's like, why doesn't Lloyd write her apart? Like, why doesn't Lloyd write her apart? It would yeah. be yeah, so like, Why easy. doesn't Lloyd just fucking write her apart? <laughs> that would take Eve out of the equation entirely. They, they're like, oh, well, this is an insurmountable problem that Betty Davis has to look 20. Yeah. Just like... I have to say this, though. Upon this most recent reviewing, I was really, really struck by how good Eve is at doing what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. Because like the the opening scenes where they meet her i mean you know like basically one of the first scenes where karen meets her outside the theater takes you know says hey you know i've seen you outside the theater every night and she's like yeah you know i watch the play every night and then i stand outside the dressing room so i can maybe see margot go in and out and it's so pathetic and it's fucking raining <laughs> and it's she's all wet and karen is like oh my god <laughs> and then she gets to come inside and meet Margot. And Margot mainly doesn't pay attention to her for a while. And then when she finally... And Eve doesn't say anything. She's invisible. Mm-hmm. She's just like a fly on the wall. And then finally, when there's like a time where everybody's been introduced to Eve, she gives this big fucking monologue that we later find out is full of lies totally. about her upbringing. And Bertie calls it out right away. Bertie's like, wow, yes. what, what is that like yeah. character actor <laughs> line she gives? It's like everything but the kitchen sink. The bloodhounds wow. yeah, like nipping at her. Yeah, everything but the bloodhounds snapping <laughs> yeah, at her yeah, heels. Yeah, oh, yeah. it was great. But the thing that she does in these early scenes that I hadn't really noticed up until now how perfectly she does it is she targets what she knows about those people and their insecurities, and she gives it to them. So, like, Margot is insecure about her own power, and so Eve defers to her. She's like, you're the queen, I'm obsessed with you, I'll do anything you say, run me over with a car. And Margot is like, I kind of like this girl, because (laughs) that's, like, who Margot is. She wants somebody who's like, Margot's the most important person in the universe. Mm -hmm. So, like, Eve fucking works to get everybody on her side before she really starts fucking up their lives. And, like, Bill... You know, she's like, hey, uh, let me ask you a question about theater. He jumps down her throat. She immediately is like, that's okay. I don't mind. I like it, daddy. And he's like, hmm, I kind of like this girl. Like <laughs> everybody she meets, she she is exactly what they want her to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a lot of work. When she tells the story of her life, she sets it up so that Margot and the play Aged in Wood literally saved her life. Mm-hmm. and who doesn't want to hear that who doesn't want to hear right. i was at my lowest point and you and your art saved me right like i it's just it's it's so she is incredibly smart and she's like determined 
in a very funny old timey way, but she's very determined to change her like station in life, which mm-hmm. a lot of us are. And it's like you, it, she's trying to live out the American dream and she's like willing to ruin people's lives over it. And it sounds like, I mean, we don't know what Margot was like as a young woman, but we do know that Margot also started as like a, a lower middle class girl and escalated to the huge star that she is. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that Margot was once using this playbook. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think totally. it would be kind of interesting to know, but I think like Eve, I mean, I know Eve is the, the quote unquote villain of the story, but even watching it, even if you don't interpret Eve as the villain of the story, it is like cool to see, like you're saying, Sarah, how she uses that playbook, which it's like in many ways. And it's like frustrating to watch her have to kind of like convince these mostly male figures and Margot that she is worthy and to get the information she needs to get to where she wants to be. But then you kind of see uh, at a much lower, less scary level, Marilyn Monroe's character has to do the exact same thing where she's like brought out and told immediately, like, you have to be nice to this old man. If you want to be successful, do it. And then people get frustrated with her because she's good at it. But it's like, you told her that that was the only option she had. Like, what else is she supposed to do? Yeah, like, Addison DeWitt brings her to Margot's party to flirt with Max. Ugh, yeah, so and <laughs> to flirt with Max because Max is a producer. And Max is just like, oi, my stomach. You know, like, he's that <laughs> Hollywood producer we all know and love from the 40s, I guess. Uh, he's like, I need I need digestive aids. You're like, yeah, get this man some Tums. Yeah, you're like, what the fuck does this guy do? <laughs> and then Addison just, just goes, okay, well, here's Max. Go basically, you know, pull your dress down off one shoulder and go, you know, hang out with him a little bit. And she's like, okay, just go show me your tits. Okay. For, mm-hmm. But it's like she's not given it. And, and it's also what I like about, I mean, there's not too much to say about Marilyn Monroe's character. She's only in two scenes. But she does have that little arc where... I think she tells him like outright she's just like ugh, why are all of these guys so gross like she basically says I hate that I have to do this and he's yeah. like well y- you have to do it so that's showbiz baby yeah yeah and it's like that I I appreciate that the screenwriting goes to like demonstrate that like these women aren't idiots they know that like what is being asked of them is unreasonable but there there doesn't at this time seem to be an alternative Right. Well, because like, I mean, we we talk about what women sometimes have to do to get ahead in the world because the world is set up so that it's harder for women to, you know, make a livable income or to get promotions or be leaders of industry or anything like that. Right. And this was, you know, even more true for 1950 than it is now. So that means that, you know, women sometimes have to turn to other avenues just to be able to survive or get ahead in the smallest way. And sometimes that means women having to use their sexuality to get ahead, which is what we see Marilyn Monroe do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and Eve's willing to do it, too. She tries to seduce Bill. She tries to seduce Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Okay, so question about Eve and Lloyd. Do you think she's bullshitting Addison at the end? I can't tell. I feel like just knowing her, yes. I think she is. But I am always down to hate Lloyd more. But it doesn't <laughs> seem like it. That just seems like it happened too fast to be true. I don't and know. And the thing is, like, we don't see, and, you know, the fact that they apparently cut 50 pages of script kind of makes this make more sense. I'm like, we never, we as viewers never see them together, which is a thing that we need to have to, ca- you know what I mean? Right. In this film, the camera is objective. So if we had seen Lloyd and Eve make out, I would believe it. But when Eve says something, I don't necessarily believe it. 
Right. Which is like, you're supposed to feel that way too. So you're just like, but, but is that an artistic choice? I don't know. To like, to imply ambiguity or is it just comfort time? (laughs) Not sure. But I mean, so we have like women using their sexuality to get ahead. We, we, or like women marrying a man who will provide financial security. And that's maybe like what Karen does with Lloyd because like she's always framed as like, I don't have any part of the theater except for my husband. He's a playwright. And she does half his job for him, which we see over and over. Like, mm-hmm, right. she makes a lot of the high-level decisions. She makes casting decisions. Like, I'm just like, yeah. put her on the bankroll, Lloyd. Jesus. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then another thing that women might have to do to, again, like, change their station in life is to trample on other women to get ahead, which is what Eve is doing. Right. But again, like... There are a lot of situations where women might feel like they have to compete against another woman for something, and it's often because they're operating within an industry or an institution that is, again, controlled by men, and men have only allotted a small number of spaces for the women to occupy. Right. So, of course, like women then feel like they have to compete against each other for these very finite number of spaces um, especially when society gives women like an expiration date and like doesn't value older women, which is Margot's whole insecurity. Right. Um, and I feel like a lot of a lot of movies that we've talked about do have this through line of women being in competition with each other and some and to varying degrees of success. Will they explore why that might be? But the fact that it attempts it, I feel like, is like kind of impressive for it. Kind time. of impressive for 1950. Yeah. Um, especially a movie that was, you know, written and directed by a man. Because um, a lot of these movies, yeah. like the ones that we've covered so far in the podcast that have been about kind of antagonistic or competitive female relationships, you know, we've got Death Becomes Her, Working Girl, and The Favorite. Those are some of our Matreon episodes. Uh, we've got Black Swan. We've got Single White Female. We've got uh, My Best Friend's Wedding. And I think all of these movies are written and or directed by men so i'm like if mankowitz can do it 30 years before you did what's the problem <laughs> or just right. like let a woman write a movie women's Imagine. interiority was not invented until the 90s <laughs> <laughs> but i also wonder like how many of these men are just like well uh women be petty and women be competing against each other i have no idea why they might be like that but that's how they be so like they yeah. just make movies about it <laughs> I, there, the other thing with this that is not even mentioned uh, in the film's credits, which seems kind of fucked, is that um, Joseph Mankiewicz adapted this from a short story written by a woman. Yes. Um, which may explain. I don't know how faithfully adapted it is. I think that he like it was a pretty short story and he really fleshed it out. And it was mainly the Eve character that he took. Mm-hmm. But it was a short story written by a writer named Mary Orr, who I guess was hanging around Hollywood and had like seen some all about Eve situation and wrote about it, but she's wow. not, she's not credited at all in, in the movie. She's not credited. They no. he just like stole her story and didn't credit her. Well, I mean, I think she, he didn't steal it. She was paid. Like she was paid, right, right, right. but she wasn't credited, which is like yeah. bad. Um, We've got to take another quick break, but we'll come right back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. 
Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ibera Star Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Well, we're talking about Eve. I wanted to talk, Caitlin, we, we talked about this briefly yesterday, but um, there has been a fair amount written about um, how Eve may be queer coded. It's never been said by Mankiewicz whether this was intended, but um, it's been speculated that the characters of Addison DeWitt and Eve are both queer coded characters, and they are also the two villains of the story, um, which mm-hmm. seems to be, you know, a very um, regressive old timey Hollywood thing that happens all the time. But there's been, I mean, it's weird. There, there's uh, stuff written about it kind of both ways. I'm pulling brilliantly from the Wikipedia page here, but um, <laughs> brave, brave, Jamie. Uh, thank you so much. I can't wait for to read our iTunes reviews of like, these dumb broads <laughs> should die. Um, I, <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> Professor Robert J. Korber, who has studied homophobia within the cultural context of the Cold War in the U.S., posits the foundational theme in All About Eve is the defense of the norms of heterosexuality, specifically in terms of patriarchal marriage, uh, must be upheld in the face of challenges from female agency and homosexuality. The nurturing heterosexual relationships of Margot and Bill and of Karen and Lloyd serve to contrast the loveless relationship, predation, and sterile careerism of the homosexual characters even addison um okay so question what is the basis for reading eve as queer coded 
I guess because she never, it, she like doesn't have a real boyfriend. I don't know, right? Okay, yeah. so this basically the same thing with Addison is like he's kind of effeminate and he doesn't have a girlfriend. That's it. Well, I've I also guess. seen people. I've also seen people cite the line, and this it's like either way they don't explicitly like Addison for sure feels old timey queer coding to me. But I'm like maybe that's not true i don't know but th- but there is that one line no, i i definitely i definitely think so but um sometimes that's all there is you know what i mean yeah like, but but that doesn't mean that it's not a thing you know what i mean the line i saw people citing in writing about this movie as like possibly commenting on queerness was at the end where addison says that he like actually doesn't want to fuck her and he thinks she's gross and then he says you're an improbable person eve so am i we have that in common and so right different people have interpreted that as some like very production cody admission of otherness right Um, but it was never said and and interestingly mankowitz um has said in interviews later i don't think he was asked about this outright but that he's he um is not homophobic which is i mean imagine um he said (laughs) that um he he thinks that society should quote drop its vendetta against homosexuals unquote which is a very old-timey way to be an ally um (laughs) can i give a different reading yeah and i'm sorry i just I've been too exposed to BDSM culture via <laughs> I'm hooked. Via a close friend to not be able to read so many scenes in this as highly sexual power dynamics. Ooh, okay. So one way that I read Addison and Eve is like he shows up and he's like, Hey, what if I own you? And she's like, Um, no thanks. And he's like, I'll blackmail you. <laughs> if you don't let me own you because that's what he wants to do and and while I see that as a reading of like he's gay and he wants a beard you know if that's like the queer reading mm-hmm. it's like be my girlfriend in public mm-hmm. and I'll not reveal your secret life to anyone also want to mention her real name Gertrude Slavinsky mm-hmm. mm. there might be some other types of coding going on here that's true if we're not careful Ooh. there might be a little bit of a little bit of anti-semitism here if we're if we're thinking about it and I mean, you would think that in this, I mean, I think that this movie is supposed to take place around 1950. That used to be a super common Hollywood practice would be if you had a name that sounded too other in any way, you just have to change it. But not Mankiewicz. Not Mankiewicz. Not Mankiewicz. Mm, true. But if Mankiewicz was a woman, maybe he would have. Possibly. Yeah. You know, I think I think it's a it's a it's an interesting way of commenting on like whitewashing in Hollywood. I mean, the whole Rita Hayworth story. There's yeah. there's so many things like that. So many stories like that. It's an interesting it's an interesting point. But anyways, back to back to even Addison. Um, it really feels like it's a very master slave type relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may not be what is implied. But I think if you uh, if you wanted to read it that way, you could. And it just I don't know. It really jumps out at me. That's a fun read. I like that read. Their dynamic is like. So it's so sex, uh, you know, as you said, um, as you quoted from that, basically the queer theory reading of it, their relationship is very sterile, sexless, ambitious. It's all about getting ahead. Mm-hmm. He wants to be with her, not because he wants to fuck her. Ew, no, it's about my career. Like, right. your mm-hmm. body disgusts me. I only love power. <laughs> Let's use each other. It's- yeah. And then Eve is like, mm, but like once Eve, 
Eve immediately uses Addison before before that part. She uses Addison from the beginning to get ahead. Like she's mm-hmm. like, "Come watch my audition. Oh, I'll hang out with you." Like, and she uses him in his column. I don't know. It's it's a very it's a tale of like two people who are both very strong willed and trying to manipulate each other. Mm-hmm. And then Addison is like, "I have out manipulated you. Now you're the sub." I don't know. <laughs> I like this theory and it should be added to the Wikipedia page. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Please add it, Jamie. Add it to the page. I'll do it. But yeah, that, there that's the that's the queer theory reading. Before we get to mm-hmm. Margo, I mean Margo's the one to watch here. But I wanted I had a few things to say quickly about Karen, aka the his wife of the story. Yes, I yes, could talk yes. about Karen for hours. Karen is, <laughs> I feel, again, it's like there most movies of this time and of this time would not make Karen such a, like, a character with such depth because she's presented to us as, like, she is the good wife, Juliana Margulies. Like, she... <laughs> She's very polite. She's very respectful. She is doing what society is expecting of her. But later, you get to see that she's, like, frustrated. She's frustrated and insecure in her marriage because she's married to an egotistical asshole narcissist who doesn't Mm -hmm. recognize how much she's contributing to his career. She, like Margot, is constantly told that she's being hysterical when she is simply stating what is happening in front of people. <laughs> right. Uh, and I like that her, her friendship with Margot is kind of complicated, too, because Margot is condescending to her for being a good wife. So, like, Karen is being put down for doing what society's asked of her. And Margot, I kind of interpret, like, takes out her insecurity on Karen and be like, oh, you're such a good little wife. And then that motivates Karen to kind of fuck Margot go over a little which like I think a lesser writing would make that seem like women be fucking each other over but with Karen it's like no one isn't shitting on Karen and she's only like doing what she thinks that she's supposed to do and so I just like I think she's fascinating and I mean oh I just like her between Margot Bill Lloyd and Eve everyone in Karen's life is a narcissist yeah like except birdie except for birdie who is so awesome birdie is absolutely my favorite character she's karen is like caretaking everybody constantly catering to these huge egos that are pummeling her from every direction like can Mm -hmm. you imagine being friends with margo the world's biggest leo right like just somebody who's (laughs) always like it's all about me 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 like literally the star of the show Mm -hmm. on stage and off she's exactly the same everybody is like margo's famous for being nutso like she's just a very classic drama queen she's Mm -hmm. literally betty day like it's just yeah and she's like she's like karen's my best friend like who do you think that best friend is not somebody who's ever gonna try and take the spotlight away from her yeah someone who's compartmentalizing the fuck out of her life who is yeah no threat to Margot whatsoever and someone who's very 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 happy being being totally behind the scenes Mm -hmm. yeah Oh, Karen deserved better. But also she yeah. then she drains the gas tank and is like, I'm going to fuck over my friend. <laughs> I like that. I, I like that. Ka- I, love, mistake, I love Karen, but-, but Karen's not smart. They're, ooh. <laughs> I think, I mean, Karen's smarter than people give her credit for, but I guess that that's kind of relative. But she's not that smart. Everyone treats Karen like a fucking idiot, and she is, like, average. <laughs> she <laughs> thinks she's smart. I just don't think she's conniving the way that, like, Eve is, or I don't think she... 
is well, yeah, she she does like one mean thing and then immediately feels endless guilt about it right and i mean it was a really shitty thing like i think what was, karen yeah. does is almost worse than things that that eve did like and she never comes clean to margo about it i mean and that's kind of that yeah. gets me margo would murder her but margo would murder her and so she doesn't tell her and so she is kind of in a way lying to her best friend she is yes to protect her life these people need therapy so much so bad <laughs> yeah a therapist why would i have a therapist when i get it sorry when i can have a <laughs> bottle of scotch ha ha you're just like oh my I've god i've got a therapist right here on the bar card Betty oh but then i feel Davis. i mean i do feel bad for margo who again is like a pretty egomaniacal narcissist who maybe you could argue kind of drums up drama now and then but also like she is you know the victim of eve exploiting and manipulating her and she keeps saying like i don't trust this woman she's annoying me she's like pushing boundaries like there's a lot of issues here she's lying all this stuff Mm -hmm. and you know bill is like you're paranoid none of this is happening you know lloyd is over here being like having you in my plays is a compromise your performances are lackluster but it's only because he's not writing the right parts for her he calls her a piano it makes me so mad (laughs) oh he like it's it's one of those funny ones where you're like oh men objectify women and then you hear that line and you're like that's a bit much like there (laughs) yeah like that's a little too on the nose dude we get it you think women are objects (laughs) yeah exactly oh brutal I love in the party scene where Addison is like kind of drunk and he's just like blathering about like we're all freaks in the theater (laughs) and like talking about how they're all they all go to the theater because they have nowhere else to go man it's like this fucking breakfast club ass moment and he's like that's why we're all here dude and everyone's like yeah yeah we're all a little random here (laughs) and you're like stop it it's so xd bitch (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i do agree caitlin I, I think that like margo i mean margo is that's why she's so amazing it's like she it like there are times where she is being a straight up brat she's being a diva at different times but then there's other times where it's like no she this concern she has is legitimate legit and, and people are ignoring her and she's just defensive about it because everybody is constantly telling her like hey don't you think you should maybe think about retiring so she's kind of like no fuck off yeah there's there's a few uh, there's a few moments that i mean mark like all of her moments are great but there were like two in particular that i was just like that always blow me away the first one is it's a scene with her and bill it's been mentioned that she's like gained a little bit of weight and she's being shamed for it and she's in the same she like is almost eating a chocolate the whole scene which is a miracle because we don't see women eat in movies ever uh Mm -hmm. and bill is calling her hysterical he's saying it gently but he's like you gotta relax with all this stuff blah 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 and she's like resisting eating the chocolate and resisting eating the chocolate and then once he gaslights her for the fourth or fifth time she just like shrugs and eats it and (laughs) it's like it's such a good moment you're like yep everyone's been in that situation and then there's that scene with her and karen in the car which is like heartbreaking and so like that scene where like margo like if if it wasn't already clear you know that she's like 
very self-aware of like she doesn't want to be loved for her image she wants to be loved for herself but how can she expect someone to love her for herself when she can't even distinguish herself from her image and you're like whoa that's heavy oh yeah and then she has that that monologue where she's like funny business a woman's career like that whole woman's career speech oh yeah i have it here uh she says Funny business, a woman's career. The things you drop on the way up the ladder so that you can move faster. You'll forget you need them when you get back to being a woman. That's one career all females have in common, whether we like it or not, being a woman. But then she goes on to be like, and you're not a woman unless you have a man who is married to you. You haven't <laughs> performed your gender until you have a mm-hmm. heterosexual partner. Ugh, it's, it's, so, it's so heartbreaking because it's like you can... You can see why she wants to give up show like it's it's and and it's the same with like Betty Davis of like it's not that Margot doesn't want to act is that she just like is tired of like having to act in a very specific way that no longer makes sense and like having to put up with all this stuff like no wonder she's like fuck it. Yeah. How many actors how many actors and actresses in Hollywood right now do you think basically feel the exact same way? Sure. I mean, it's like, I think you see a lot of women who, I mean, usually they start lifestyle brands, but I'm thinking of someone I'm thinking of because we just recorded our, uh, my best friend's wedding episode yesterday is Cameron Diaz, where like she was so famous and she always played a variation on like the same role. And then when she turned 40, she was like, Fiona from Shrek. And, and I don't, I mean, I don't want to speculate on Cameron Diaz. I don't know why she chose to like retire from acting, but I mean, it's it's like, you know, there, there just aren't as many options. And it's like you can go on ABC and play a lawyer. But like what else? You know, there's not the options aren't always there. And it's like mm-hmm. you you have to like empathize. I don't know. Margaret, oh, that that car speech fucks me up. It makes me yeah. so sad. Yeah. It's that ultimate moment if she's like, man, I know I've been a bitch, but shit. Can you blame <laughs> me? <laughs> You're like, no, yeah. I can't. Yeah. And it's so, it's so like relatable to me to be like, ah, fuck. Well, I guess I was really shitty to everybody. Yeah. I mean, she says something like, I've been oversensitive to the fact that Eve is so young, so feminine, so helpless. Like she is like admitting to her insecurities about like Eve's youth and all this stuff. And then like Karen is sitting right beside her being like. Well, being, being feminine in this context is being helpless. Like Mm -hmm. Margot is less feminine because she is not totally helpless. She definitely is struggles with things, but she doesn't, she doesn't need a man, you know, like, right. Mm -hmm. Or at least she, or at least she acts like she doesn't for a while and then goes, yeah, I do. Uh, I I don't don't know. Like that was kind of a, with, with her and Bill, it's like, there are a lot, there are issues in that relationship, but I was kind of, I'm like, does she like need a man or does she want one? And like, like, I think maybe she doesn't need one, but she does want one. And there's like conflict in her feelings of like, she wants a man in her life, but she only wants it on very specific terms of like, she's like, you are yeah. Stedman. And Bill's like, I don't want to be Stedman. And she's like, well, I don't know what to tell you because I want Stedman. And yeah. I mean, it's it's really interesting because it's, I, I mean, I think that it would be kind of like the easy choice to make with Marco. And I don't like the way that they end up sort of being like and then she was a wife and the end but I I think it is an interesting choice to give Margot the dimension of like yes she's very powerful she guards her power she's very talented but she does want someone to love her for herself and is worried that that's not going to happen yeah 
that's very understandable. And if she wants companionship in a man, like, totally fine. Many, many people do. But it feels like such a weird inconsistency for her to start out being like, no, I don't want to get married. If we got married right now, it would just be to prove a point. And I don't want that. Like, we don't need to be married. And then, like, suddenly out of nowhere... There's this shift in her character where she's like, well, I'm not a woman unless I marry this man. So let's get engaged. And it's like, where is this coming from? Well, it reminds me a lot of like Catherine Hepburn movies where in the beginning she's like, I don't need a man. Fuck everyone. And then halfway through the movie, someone goes, Catherine, you've been putting on this persona where you're a bitch. And we know that deep down you want love from a man. And then she goes, I do. And I love those movies. And I love Catherine Hepburn. And, and she knew this and she even talked about this as an actress that she was typecast as, you know, this this huge, gorgeous, like Amazon sort of lesbian, you know, who had as many lines and as much screen time as the man that she was in a romance with. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's how kind of how I feel about the Philadelphia story. Like, I love that in the beginning of that movie, she's so hard and so strong about maintaining her identity. And like in this movie, Margot is like, hey, I love you, but I don't want to subsume my literal identity into yours. And yeah. Bill is like, come on, come on, just a little. And she's like, no, I don't like that. And then by the end, she's like, you know what? I really love Bill. I guess I could subsume my identity for him a little bit. Which is a thing that millions of people do every fucking day. But you know? it's, yeah, it sucks. Cause yeah, it's it sucks to like watch someone make that choice. But it's it makes sense that she like of the time it makes I don't know. Well, you know, I'm I'm just saying like it feels it feels relevant to now. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, there are just people who are like who either you know sometimes it's marriage, sometimes it's moving in with a partner, sometimes it's just you know your fucking boundaries or whatever. But yeah. I don't know. I feel like there are there are people now who who are in kind of the same situation. And this movie's pretty old. And that is yeah, I mean it is like and and I mean even speaking to what you were saying about Katherine Hepburn movies, like that like taming an independent spirit thing is such a thing. And it's also like yeah, like the the uh, almost like weird fantasy of like male writers being like, oh, the only reason that a woman would act independently is because they want to get the attention of a man. And then once they do, they can chill, you know? And I, yeah, the way I, I do, I kind of uh, against my better judgment, I like Margot and Bill for each other in, in a lot of moments. And I do appreciate that he shows up for her in a way that, that no one does in the movie. Cause he's like one of the only people in the movie who doesn't really betray her at any point. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah. I do appreciate him on that level of like, he does seem to be, I mean, for all the, you're hysterical and not like we see the same scene with multiple female characters in this movie where it's a woman talking to a man and he's like you're being hysterical and she's like no it's you're talking to me that way because of my gender and they say what and then that's the whole scene um (laughs) yeah and and bill is bill is just as guilty uh, uh of that attitude as the other men in the movie but i do appreciate that he shows up for her and does seem to love her and there's like when that bullshit Addison DeWitt article comes out he's there right away and like Mm -hmm. I appreciate that element of Bill I do think that like Margot and Bill are a very good pair because Margot really wants somebody who only wants her and you know for all of Bill's other faults that is 
something that he is, you know. He, he loves her. He wants, yeah, he, lo- mm-hmm. he loves her. And, and I know, like, for the cultural context of the time, there are things that, you know, we would interpret as, like, clingy or weird <laughs> that at the time were like, this is what someone does when they're in love and respect a woman, you know. Right. It's weird. It's like, and in this movie, this movie is very often compared to Sunset Boulevard, which comes out mm-hmm. around the same time. And there was like just a period. I'm sure that someone's written a thesis on this, but like a period of time where like the aging actress was a part uh, that was available to women over forty, and they were like, "Look at this amazing opportunity for you. You're playing yourself and how you feel insecure." And they were supposed to be like, "And you're a monster, Yay. yeah." And it ends horribly <laughs> for you. Mm-hmm. But I, but I think I mean. I used to really like Sunset Boulevard. I mean, it's a very well-written movie, but I think watching them both, I've seen them both this year now. And I mean, Sunset Boulevard is, is not very kind to women. And I think that it, like Margot, I guess Margot's strength at the end of the movie is that she has the respect and love of the people in her life still. She still, even though Karen is lying to her, she has Karen, she has Lloyd, she has Bill, and she has, like, her support system is intact. And Mm -hmm. But that's at the expense of her career, sort of. I don't know. It's just all very... Right. Well, I I think what the film, like, wants to portray by the end is, like, sure, Eve got what she wanted, material gain, power, success, fame, but at the expense of she can't break up with Addison DeWitt or else he will destroy her life. Right. So like Mm -hmm. she's got this partner who she's with, not because she loves him, but because he's literally blackmailing her. Mm -hmm. And Margot has this partner who is with her because he loves her. Yeah. And that's it. He's not with her because she's famous. He's not trying to get anything out of her. He really does just want to be with her, even if she's not an actress anymore. So in that way, like Margot basically not being an actress anymore is shown as like a a positive thing yeah like for her identity yeah it's implied that she's able to be more comfortable and more herself not acting but again that lets i mean that lets lloyd off the hook in a major way because it's like yes why would you want lloyd in your life still it's like oh i mean ultimately watching it through this time it just felt very clear that like the villain of the movie is the industry that they're in and not eve specifically um whether the movie recognizes that i kind of don't know i don't (laughs) think so actually I don't know. I don't know I how hard think it Nick does. Woods is thinking about this. I don't know. <laughs> I think it does. I think it touches hard on, you know, like with the with the Miss Caswell stuff on just the disposability of young talent yeah. and how the industry will take somebody from nobody to super famous receiving industry's highest award within a year. And mm-hmm. who knows what the fuck will happen to Eve within a year? You know, she's like a she's like a child star, basically. You know, yeah, and child stars often have a very rough time when they stop being a child star. It's true. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think that at very least, Mankiewicz is he's making com he's making pretty brutal commentary on theater specifically, <laughs> which <laughs> like so I'm like okay, you know, he's got some vendetta against the theater. What? But like, yeah, it 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 does seem like he has a, an awareness that this is. But but I can't tell that if he's just framing of like this is how this industry works. I can't tell how critical he actually is of it. I don't know. Hmm. Um, but either way, it's a fucking well written movie. It's really Ooh. good. That's a great movie. I have. Can I share some of my favorite lines of dialogue? Because yes. there are yes. lots. I'll try to pare this down. Um, starting with, I mean, there's 
among the many, many conversations that Margot has about age and aging and her insecurities around it, um, at one point we learn that she is 40 and Bill is 32. So she's eight years older than him. And she says, he's 32. He looks 32. He looked at five years ago. He'll look at 20 years from now. I hate men. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Still 100%. Another one is toward the beginning when Margot says to Lloyd, be a playwright with guts. Write me one about a nice normal woman who just shoots her husband. Hmm. And we're yeah, like, yes. <laughs> they really knew how to like write amazing insults and like snide remarks in old Hollywood. <laughs> like Betty Davis, I guess she had like a reputation for rewriting a lot of her own lines in movies and this was supposed to be one of the only movies she was ever in that she like didn't rewrite a single line amazing interesting well because there's an exchange about that where lloyd is talking about the words he's written in his plays and he's yeah. like just when exactly does an actress decide they're her words that she's saying her thoughts she's expressing and margot responds right back with usually at the point when she has to rewrite and rethink them to keep the audience from leaving the theater oh, right which is like literally oh. what betty davis would do wait really really quick before i forget so i guess claudette colbert was originally supposed to play the part of margot um, mm -hmm. And in, I think, the most old Hollywood depressing reason of all time, she could not play the part and the part went to Benny Davis because Claudette Colbert hurt her back in a rape scene in a movie. <gasps> Literally, the Ooh. movie was about her getting raped and her back was hurt. And so she couldn't play this role of a lifetime. Most depressing thing oh I've ever heard God. in my life. Anyways, um, continue. Holy shit. Ugh. Isn't that so fucked up? <laughs> also, um, Mankiewicz said that Ann Baxter, he said oh, it was such a weird old timey sexist compliment. He said that Ann Baxter, he chose Ann Baxter to play Eve because she had bitch virtuosity. <laughs> yeah, I, I read that somewhere too. <laughs> Which is, I'm like, I... I mean, he's right. I feel like women should be allowed to use that phrase among themselves. <laughs> yes. yes. Eve has extremely high level of bitch virtuosity. And, okay, Caitlin, did you write down that part where Eve is talking about applause? And she's like, applause, applause. It rushes over you like waves. <laughs> oh, no, so I didn't campy. write that one down. It's so good. She's just like, I can only get horny when people are applauding. <laughs> that whole scene is just Damn. her monologue about like, I need attention. I love it. And I can't live without it. <laughs> and that's why I feel like with her and Addison, it's just about power. She's yeah. like, I need the power. And he's like, I got you the power. You're my slave. And she's like, okay. <laughs> horny for power. Ooh. Oh, here's a fun one that Marilyn Monroe's character says to Eve about Addison DeWitt because Eve is like, "Oh, I don't want to. We we should. You shouldn't talk to me. Line. I'll just I'll just bore you." And Marilyn Monroe says, "You won't bore him, honey. You won't even get a chance to talk." And oh, it's like such a great burn that she. I don't even think she realizes is a burn. Marilyn Monroe is so good at that. At like yes. just being like acting so dumb, <laughs> but saying it so perfectly. Yeah, man, she's yes. great. Uh, and then I think my final favorite line uh, that I will share is Lloyd talking to Karen while they're arguing about Eve. He says, that bitter cynicism of yours is something you've acquired since you've left Radcliffe. And Karen says, that cynicism you referred to, I acquired the day I discovered I was different from little boys. And we're like, oh, feminist icon 
Karen. <laughs> Karen is right. Every time a woman has intuition in this movie, she is treated as if she is making things up. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's always right. She's like, like being a woman is about knowing shit that men don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh, good grief. The men in this movie are pretty dim. <laughs> it's true. Does anyone else have any other final thoughts to share? I don't think so. This is, oh God, this was so much fun. Yeah, this is, I mean, I'm so glad I got to talk about this movie with someone because yeah. I have so many thoughts about it. Um, the scene where Eve is in the bathroom with Karen and is blackmailing her, she's wearing this incredible costume that has a really high neck and has like sort of a scalloped neckline. Mm-hmm. And the actual neckline is very low, but the neck is very high and in between is like a fine mesh. And it's so perfect for a scene where somebody who has acted extremely modest up until this point is suddenly is shown to be extremely false and have been mm-hmm. lying good costumes good costumes edith head has yeah. anyone ever said that <laughs> <laughs> also jamie there is a rasputin reference did you catch oh, it where margo yes, calls did. him rasputin i love i mean as if the work couldn't be elevated more <laughs> it's so good Oh, God, I, if I wish, I wish Alfred Molina were alive for this. <laughs> oh, really quick, Quar update. So I've been following uh, Alfred Molina's Finsta really carefully through the Quar, and he has—he has a Finsta. He has a Finsta, and he's been sewing his own masks. And he did a oh little. My God. Did so a, is my mom. He did a little jokey post yesterday where he was like, a message to everyone out there in the quarantine. And it was just him wearing his mask. And he was like, and everyone's like, ha ha, Freddie, you crack me up. He is great. What a delight. I love that. Oh, I was going to tell you guys, I saw Alfred Molina in a play. Wait, did you see the one in Pasadena? Yeah, I saw the father. I saw, I saw the too. daddy. It's Aww. so sad. Oh, it's, it was good. The yeah, daddy was, really was so sad. good and so sad. I was not prepared for it to be so sad. Well, I was I was also led to believe that the woman who played Roz on Frasier was going to be in the play, oh. and that turned out to not be true. So I was a little disappointed <laughs> from the get-go. That. That's so funny. <laughs> My friend was just wrong. She was like, Roz from Frasier is in it. And I was like, okay, with Alfred Molina <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this conversation about Alfred Molina, unfortunately, does not pass the Bechdel. Well, I know it actually does pass the Bechdel test because we have yes. said that any conversation about Alfred Molina does pass. And speaking of the Bechdel test, does All About Eve pass the Bechdel test? Oh, yeah. With flying colors. Oh, yeah. First scene. All the time. There's a lot of combinations of characters who talk to each other that pass between Eve and Karen, between Eve and Margot, Margot and Karen, Margot and Birdie. The list goes on. It's a lot of passes. Yeah. As far as our nipple scale, zero to five nipples based on its representation of women, this one is a little tricky. I And I was nervous, I'll be honest. I was a little nervous to talk about this movie because, you know, it's classical Hollywood cinema. I don't know an awful lot about old Hollywood. So I was like, oh, no, there's like going to be all this context and stuff that I don't know about and like information about the way, you know, movies were made and the way stories were told back then. And I just don't know enough about it. But I do enjoy this movie. I do still struggle with movies that are about antagonistic relationships between women. Mm -hmm. I do think this movie has like a lot of nuance to its female characters. I do enjoy that it is female driven, but I still 
if given a choice, I will almost never choose a movie that is about an antagonistic female relationship because even though they do exist in the world, I far prefer to see, you know, if there's a story about an older, more distinguished, successful woman taking a younger woman under her wing and being her mentor, Mm -hmm. I would rather see that story play out that they like have a great relationship and they conquer the world and take down (laughs) the patriarchy together. And I just like, I I wish for more stories like that. Um, But I do, of course, I, I see a lot of value in this story. I think it explores interesting themes and I think that all the female characters are really interesting and far more fleshed out than we see in more contemporary movies which um, you wouldn't necessarily expect but I think that just between the the examination of Margot and her insecurities about aging I do think that could have been explored a little bit more fully in terms of like why is she insecure about aging? Why do women end up in these competitive antagonistic relationships? But I think it does a a fairly good job for a movie, you know, written and made in 1950. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot to love about this and find very interesting and compelling. I'll give it like a three nipples, I think. Um, Of course, it's an extreme, I don't, you know, they didn't let non-white people be in movies back then. And if they did, they were in the most horrific, tropey, stereotypical, reductive roles imaginable. And this movie just erases people of color altogether. Yeah, it's probably better that there were no people of color in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Right, because they would not have been treated um, respectfully in any no it would have made it so much worse but you know i i think it does uh by today's standards i think this movie holds up pretty magnificently um it's not without its issues and then also just like the weird message of like yes women can be strong and awesome and great and they shouldn't be antagonistic toward each other but also a woman isn't a woman unless she's in a heteronormative relationship with a man and married to him so that feels a little bit like a conflicting message. But overall, yeah, I think three nipples. Uh, I'll give two to Birdie and I'll give one to Betty Davis. Uh, I'm going to give this, uh, I want to give it 3.75. I guess I'll go 3.5. I don't know. I want I want to, yeah. I, I, I also like, you know, I, I'm sure I have blind spots with this movie because I love it so much. Uh, but I just, I think, especially for its time, I th- okay, I think with the context given its time, I'm going to give it 3.75 because there is, like, I, I do, I agree that um, the, like, implication that uh, Margot's better off as a wife than as an actor, but I, but it's also not that simple. I, I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I, I think that there's so many different kinds of women in this my main issue with the movie i think is that it's not cl- i mean eve is the clear-cut villain and it's not the system that they're inside of but that is so inherent to the movie that it's hard to take yourself out of it i just think that i mean this movie is about women in a way that for the most part and not 100 percent, but for the most part is not condescending to their needs wants desires or relationships with anyone around them i just oh betty davis is so amazing i do wish that it examined the aging more than just this is how women feel and not examining why do women feel this way Mm -hmm. um but just the performances are so good and the relationships between women are so interesting like they're they're more detailed than just like 
women pulling each other's hair for two hours. There's more I'd like I, I just I really like it. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'll go 3.75. Maybe that's too nice. Uh, give two to Birdie. Uh, one to Eve and uh, 0.75 to Margot. I'm going to go all out and give it four full nipples. Do it. See, I think something that we might want to do, Jamie, for like really old movies like this is like do sort of like an adjusted for inflation nipple rating where like <laughs> if we were doing this podcast in like 1950 and like this movie came out, it would be like, wow, five nipples across the board. But like obviously this movie was lower made 70 years ago. I will I will also say this. This is this is one of those movies where you're like, oh, this is like a play. Like this is just like yeah. a play. There's nothing visually that exciting about it. Mm -hmm. It's it looks great, but it's really just like you watch this movie for the acting and for the writing. Like there's right. nothing going on visually that is, you know, that that exciting, you know, even for the time, you know, even adjusted for inflation. This is a fucking talkie, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh so you got to you got to sit down, you got to be ready for like, you know, there aren't there aren't a lot of like fist fights or action sequences or anything in this movie. No, no big gags like that. I think you got to go into that with that mentality to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. For sure. Who who would you like to give your four nipples to? One to every drink that Margot had on the bumpy ride night. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Amazing. Uh, well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us for this incredible discussion. It's been a delight. Thank you for letting me talk about All About Eve for so long. Uh, this made my day. I love talking about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I feel like I'm like, did we even cover everything? I feel like there's it's there's so many no. layers or so much. To, uh, yeah, I feel like we kind of only scratched the surface. But thank you so much for being here, Sarah. Where can people follow your stuff, follow you online, all that good stuff? Uh, you can go to my website, which is heysarajune.com, and you can sign up for an email list, which is a thing that I will do if people sign up for it. <laughs> it's not mm -hmm. a thing yet. But I don't have social media anymore, and I don't know what to do. Ugh, I mean, that's the ultimate act of self-love. Yes, <laughs> for the best. Yeah, you can you can go to, um, if you are on social media, please follow uh, Means TV. Sometimes it's Means underscore TV. It is a streaming network and YouTube channel that I make videos for. And I'm going to have a series come out in a couple months that I'm really excited about. Awesome. Oh, yes. and Jamie's in one. <gasps> yeah. Yay. Check that out, everybody. Check it out. Tee -hee -hee. I'm excited. Yeah. Jamie's going to be in an episode. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe I forgot that <laughs> for a sec. We've been in here for so long. There was no life before this. Mm, it's true. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> um, it feels like one million years ago yeah. that we shot it. Woo. All right. Woo. Well, thanks for getting on the phone with me, guys. This is like, you know, some much needed social interaction. As I'm pleasure. sure you can tell. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, oh, yeah. of course. Um, come back anytime. We need to discuss more older movies. Yeah, we do. Uh, you can follow us on social media at Becknellcast. You can subscribe to our patreon aka matreon which is at patreon.com slash bechtelcast it's five dollars a month and it gets you two bonus episodes and what better time to consume more content than right now 
during the quarantine. So check us out on uh, the Matreon if you're able. It's true. You can uh, get our merch on Tee Public. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of fun stuff in the coming months on the Matreon if you want to join us. And uh, we we uh, love you so much. I hope this has been a sufficiently bumpy podcast. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Unfasten your seatbelts because the bumpy podcast is over. Bye. Bye. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Hyatt Ziva Riviera Cancun at CheapCaribbean.com. That's CheapCaribbean.com. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.